This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Everybody, tonight we are learning Le'elu Nishmat, Chaim Yehuda ben Yechezkel, Avraham ben Chaim Yehuda, and Yechezkel ben Avraham, and Tzila bat David. So, tonight really is a continuation from last week's uh, last week's class. Even though the whole Imuna series really is is one continuation, but a lot of the classes you could listen without the knowledge of the other one, and, and really this one you could as well, but it would, it would really be beneficial to go and understand what we spoke about last time. So, just for like to have a, a brief overview, we um, w- when problems come on, we come in our lives. We broke it up into like three different categories. So we have category one that is from God, from Hashem. So if anything happens from God, we know anything that God does, God does for the best. That we know. That's easy. That's understandable. That's category number one. Category number two is what we spoke about last week when you were negligent on yourself. So you made a mistake, you did an issue, and because of that, you resulted in a loss of money, in a loss of a shidduch, in a loss of anything, and that's something that we discussed last week. Um, for anybody who wants a re- refresher, please go last week. But the basic understanding was that we have to do our hishtadut. Once we do our effort that is required of us, then it's in God's hands. That's what we spoke about last week. Today, Bezat Hashem, what I want to speak about is what happens if somebody else does something to you. Now, let me explain what that means. So, we know that every single human being has uh, free will. And the Ramchal brings down, we know the reason why we have free will, is that the purpose of God creating the world is to give us the greatest good. So, in order to give someone the greatest good, they have to feel as if they earned it. Someone who earns it, otherwise, you know, Alpi Kabbalah, it's called the bread of shame. It's called, a, it's, it's something that, you know, you don't really appreciate. But if you earned it, you appreciate it more. So the greatest good will be for, for those that will be able to go and appreciate it. And hence, we have free will. When we have free will, we have the ability to do good or to do bad. When we choose good, then we go and we have that, that feeling, okay, now we did something, we did something good, you know, for our ourselves for God and then we deserve so to speak the the reward. So now the idea that we have to understand over here is that if someone has free will and then we have a concept of hashkahapati we have a concept of divine providence that everything is from God these things kind of contradict each other. So for example let's say somebody is using their free will to go and harm you. Maybe that wasn't for the best. Maybe that wasn't planned. How do you go and understand? So if you go and you say, no, you can't, uh, you know, you, you can't do anything, uh, because it's only what's the, the decreed from God. So then you have a little bit of restriction on free will. On the other hand, if everything's from, everything's from God, then where's the free will? So there's a very clear, very, you know, fine line that we have to understand over here. And Bezalat Hashem, may God put the right words in my mouth, because this is a topic that is very, very, the, the nuances, you have to really, like, think about it and to understand it uh, clearly. So, this topic is extremely, extremely important. To begin, why it's so important is that if someone comes, God forbid, and hurts you, upsets you, does something to you. So what happens? So you get upset, you get hurt. And that can result in someone, uh, you know, and you hating somebody else. Now, to understand what hatred is, hatred really doesn't do anything to the other person. So let's say you're walking down the street and somebody's walking on the other side and, oh, do you hate that person? And you see that person, you start getting boiled up. Your blood pressure starts rising. You know, you're stressing out and you're at a different level. You're like, how are you, you know, I don't believe what this guy did. I don't like how to do this. I don't, you know, go on and on and on and on and on. And when you think about it, who is it really affecting? Is it really affecting 
you or is it really affecting the other person? The fact that you're hating somebody or your hatred or you have a desire burning inside of you that you wish that a piano would fall down on this person's head, this is not something that affects that person one iota. This is something that only affects you. So really, hatred really affects some, you know, really yourself, your own uh, um, well-being, your own, you know, contentness, your your own your happiness. And it really affects you more than anybody else. But that's not what we're going to talk about, you know, now. What I want to focus on, what the Peleot says on hatred. Peleot quotes the Mishnah in Avot. In the second chapter, the Rabbi Yeshua goes and says that there are three things. There are the evil eye, the evil inclination, and the hatred, the, the, the sinat habriyut, the hatred for humankind. This takes a person, uh, this is motzinat adam and alam. It removes a person from this world. Now, specifically on the hatred, why does hatred remove a person from this world? The Peleots goes on and says that hatred causes many, many other sins. We know that there are a lot of sins that are sort of like a, like a broad category, and then there is like subcategories in them. And there are also sins that once you touch upon one part of the sin, you're like violating, like there's a ripple effect, and you're violating so many things after that. So hatred is one of those things. And the Peleots goes on and says, that if you have hatred for somebody, so what happens? So you start having ill feelings towards somebody. That means you, you, you know, you don't like the person. You, you know, just bothered by you, by, by him or her. And it can lead to gossip. It could also lead into somebody going and rejoicing the, the downfall of others, being happy when somebody, something bad goes to somebody else. It could also result in, in somebody wanting to damage somebody else. And it could also result in, in, uh, revenge, you want to take revenge on somebody, bearing a grudge, all these things are all based off the, the category of hatred. How does hatred come in when somebody does something to you and you think it's that person? It has nothing to do with me, it's that person. That person goes and, and says, you know what, then it's from them. If it's from them, then it must be that, um, you know, it, it's their fault. And if it's their fault, then I have the right to hate them. Now, the idea of, of, of hatred, the idea of hatred, the Sfarim HaKadoshim goes and says that there is no sin, this is something mentioned, there's no sin that a person violates as often as hatred. It's a big chidush. No sin that a person violates as much as hatred. And it's based off the Pasuk in Vayikha. Chapter 19, verse 17, it says, You are not allowed to go and hate your brother in your heart. And the following Pasuk goes and says, It says that you have to go and love every single Jew. You have to love every single, all your friends, you have to love everybody. Now, the Peleots goes and says, you know, there's two types of hatreds that people have. There's open hatreds, and there's, like, the inner hatreds. The open ha- hatreds, you know, that's when, like, everybody knows, you know, like, this person does not like this person. Do not put them on the same table in the wedding. Not going to go well. And then there are the inner hatreds, and no one knows. You just have, like, this inner hatred towards, uh, you know, somebody, whether it's founded or whether it's unfounded, which we'll soon see everything is really going to be unfounded. But when, you're, when it's out in the open, so you always have those holy people they just want to do shalom. They want to do peace with everybody else. So when it's out in the open, they say, okay, they know that there's a hatred going on over here. So they go and they say, you know what? Why don't you go and apologize to this person? And they try to bring people together. They try to bring people into, into the shalom, into the achtut that really should be. However, what happens if that hatred is in the heart? It's in the heart. This is what the Pasuk is talking about. It says, Do not hate your friend in your heart. Because what happens is, if it's in your heart, then no one knows about it. What happens with that, says the Peleot? It stays there forever. It stays there for eternity. Nobody knows. Nobody tries to do anything. It just grows in your heart and grows and grows and grows. And there's nothing that can be done about it. Now, I'm not going to say if you dislike somebody, let everybody know about it because that's the right thing to do. Obviously, it's to work on it. But there's a difference of when you're hating somebody outside and when you're hating somebody, you know, inside. 
when people go and they say, you know what, okay, you know, I understand I'm not supposed to hate somebody, but you know what this person did to me? You have no idea what this person did to me. If the Torah, though, tells us, and it says, it says that you're not supposed to go and and hate your friend in your, your brother, achicha. It says your brother, bilvarecha, in your heart. Then that means that it's for everybody. Not for the good, not, not for the bad. It's for everybody, inclusive of everything. And in fact, the Pelioetz goes on and says that this is not referring to the good. You know, the people that do you good. Because that, the Torah doesn't have to tell us that don't hate them. What is this referring to? It's referring to those, your enemies, the people that you hate. That's what the Pasuk says. Do not hate your friend in your heart. Do not hate him inside. Do not hate him outside. Do not hate him at all. Now, the concept of why the, why the Galut is so extended until where we are today, we know, is because of the Avarad, the sin of Sinat Chinam, baseless hatred. That's why our, our, our holy temple was destroyed. And we know that as long as we don't purify this sin, it's impossible for us to be redeemed. So we start seeing over here how important this concept of hatred is, and really where does hatred come into play over here? If you have an idea of saying, like, listen, this person has a free will, and this per- and then there is divine providence from Hashem, so if there's divine providence to Hashem and you understand that everything is from God, then you're not going to hate anybody. It's not going to come to you. But if you think that it's all the free will, then you're going to come to hatred towards them. So we see over here how imperative this this topic is and how important it is to understand where are we to fall into this play? Is the person have free will and has the ability to hurt me? Or does a person not, it's all from God and it doesn't matter. It's all from up above and hence there is no hatred. So the Peleot goes on and says that no person is able to do harm to his friend or on the flip side, to benefit his friend or even to slightly touch that which was designated for his friend without the decree of God. Without the decree of God, you, that person cannot do anything. There, uh, and therefore, says the Peleot, that every kind of hatred is considered baseless. It doesn't matter. It's all from God. It doesn't matter. How, and this also includes negligence. So there's someone where someone does something on purpose and someone does something by mistake. There's a story where David Asher brings down that uh, the Chafetz Chaim Heritage Foundation put, put, released this uh, video that it was a hot day in the summer, and it was, you know, Israel, the story happened in Israel, in the summer it gets really, really hot, and uh, this bus driver was taking the kids to school, and as they drove up to the school, they opened, the bus driver opened the door, and all the kids just, you know, uh, you know, head out. The bus driver looks back, sees no one there, goes and parks the car, and locks the bus. He didn't check. This is before, you know, now it came, you see the stickers, this bus has checked for sleeping children. This is before this happened. And there's a little child that fell, in, you know, in the, asleep in the back seat over there. The bus driver didn't see it, and he went and he, um, and he parked the car. He comes to pick up the, the, the bus af- in the afternoon to come and take the kids home, and a horrific sight meets his eyes. He's unbelievable. He, you know, it's unbelievable. I don't want to even spell it. I don't even want to say what happened. But you could all imagine what happened when a little kid is stuck in a boiling, you know, uh, bus. And unfortunately, this, uh, you know, this child was no longer there. And the grandfather of this child, whose name was Rabbi Leichter, he, when he heard about this, he went and he said, there is no question, this is from God. This is from Hashem. And I'm going to accept God's will with love. And during the Shiva, during the Shiva, when the family is sitting Shiva here, the family heard that the bus driver wasn't doing well. And it was obvious that he wasn't doing well, besides the fact that he was arrested. And the fact that he has this guilt of, of, of 
almost murder to, to a certain extent. So he ended up becoming like, you know, emotionally unstable. And when the family heard about this, Rabbi Lachta, the grandfather, was very worried about the bus driver. He went and he told his relatives, he told his friends, he told his family and co-workers, he says, everybody, you got to go pray for this bus driver. This bus driver, Nachman, you've got to go and pray for him. And he gave the, his friends and family the name to go and pray for the bus driver that because of him caused his grandson indirectly to go and leave this world. And they heard that, you know, it wasn't doing, he still wasn't doing well. So they sent a message to this bus driver. It says, to come to the Shiva house. Now imagine that scenario. No one should ever, ever come to this. But where somebody was the indirect cause of losing someone's life and they want to now go to the Shiva house, nobody could show their face. But he was invited by the family of the bus driver. So what he's going to do? So he decided that he's going to go. And when he walks in, it was very obvious. Everybody saw, you know, his eyes were sunken. It, he was, it was very obvious he wasn't eating. He wasn't sleeping. He was emotionally in a, in a not well stage. Rabbi Lachter saw him, he rushed over to him to go, and what did he do to him? To give him chizuk. He says, you have to go take care of yourself. You can't do this. You have to go, and you have to continue living. And he goes on to the grandfather and says, we don't hold a grudge against you. We know that everything is from God. After the shiva, this grandfather went and attended this bus driver's trial. And the lawyer asked him to speak, the grandfather. And the grandfather gets up, and he says, this bus driver, he didn't do this on purpose. It could have happened to anybody. And he goes over to the judge, please let him off. The judge at this point was crying. This was the first time that she has ever seen anything like this. It's never happened that, you know, somebody from, from the case of, of the family member that would come and defend the accused. And not only that, the lawyer said, I've been a lawyer for over 20 years. And this is the first death-related case in which the family of the victim actually hugged and defended the accused. And in her verdict, the judge wrote, the sentence should really be much more severe. But because it's going to hurt the family of the victim even more, I'm going to reduce the sentence to six months of community service. The story doesn't end there. This video was shown in Chengdu, China. And there was a certain person over there that was watching this video, and he went over to the rabbi after the video. It was a Chabad rabbi. And he goes and he says, you know, you have been trying to get me to put on tefillin for two years. And I was, I'm not interested in it. I'm not a believer. I don't know what he was doing in shul. If he wasn't a believer, but he was in shul listening to, watching this, uh, this video. But he says, uh, uh, and he goes and he tells the rabbi, I don't even go to shul on Yom Kippur. I don't, I don't care for this stuff. But I saw this video. And I want to tell you that if this is what the Jewish people are like, if this is what the Torah preaches, if this is what the Torah teaches each and every single one of us to do, then I want to be connected to that. And please let me put on tefillin. And then he laid tefillin for the first time, right then and there. You know, a Jew doesn't hold a grudge. A Jew knows that there is a higher power. So now we have to stop for a second and think. What about free will? Can, if, if, can someone harm you? Can someone kill somebody if it wasn't decreed? How are we to go and do with that? We have to, we have to justify these two, you know, sort of paradoxical, you know, ideas. You have over here at one point, there's a free will. And another point, you have the concept of they sort of contradict each other. So with that, we have to go and review something we spoke about, the evil eye, Ainara. And that is that the question that is asked, Chazonish asks this question, says, why do we have to care about Ainara? Why do we care about evil eye? Some people care about evil eye more than anything else. Why? Why do we care about it? Because what? If it was decreed on Rosh Hashanah that something something should happen, it would happen. If it's not supposed to happen, it won't happen. So at the end of the day, what is an evil eye going to do? It's either supposed to happen or not supposed to happen. So Chazon Ish said something here so fundamental that you could plug it into so many aspects in life. And Bezat Hashem, we're going to plug it into this area right here with uh, free will and hashgacha apatit. And that is 
The Chazon Ish says we can put people into three categories. Category number one in regards to life and death. Category number one is this person is supposed to live. If this person is supposed to live, evil eye, no evil eye, this guy's going to live. I'm not talking about people that put themselves in danger. I'm talking about the regular, normal, run-of-the-mill person. He was decreed to live on Rosh Hashanah. He will live throughout the year, obviously. If it was decreed that a person should die, so then it depends. If it was decreed how he should die, then he'll die that way. If it wasn't decreed how he should die, so then he could die from an evil eye, could die from a car accident, God forbid, God forbid, anything, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's sort of open. Then the Chazonish says there's a third category. That category is, is that God sort of leaves the book open. And this book, it says, it depends. If the person merits, he'll live out the year. If he doesn't merit, then he won't live out the year. Now, with this idea, we have to put very, very important three different, uh, you know, uh, understandings of this topic. Number one, all events occur in the world with divine permission. But number two, nothing happens against divine permission, against divine decree. So everything has to happen with permission. Nothing happens against permission. However, here's the kicker. The kicker is number three. That is not all events occur because God decreed them in the first instance. Meaning that some things God didn't decree, but it ended up happening X, Y, and Z for certain reason. So let's try to understand this. And we're going to repeat those three things, you know, uh, you know, a few times over here because those are very important to understand. So with that being said, we have to understand the concept of free will. We say in Tachnun that it says, Vayomer David el Gad, Maod, you know, this is David is saying, it says it's, it's, I'm very, very oppressed, pained. Because Nipla Nabi Adashem says, let me fall in the hand of God, Kirabim Rachamav, because his mercy is great. And in, by the hands of human beings, I don't want to fall. Meaning the Mitzudat David goes and explains this Pasuk. And he says that, King David goes and he chose to suffer in God's hands and not in humans' hands. Why? Because God shows mercy. Humans, not necessarily. And that's what the Pnei Yeshua says something very, very, uh, you know, uh, such an amazing, you know, uh, you know, understanding of this in the Bible Kama, page 60b. It goes and he says that if a person were to choose between famine and war, you have two options, assuming, right? No one has this option. But assuming you have two options, choosing between famine or choosing between war. What would you choose? It's one of those questions you never want to answer. So, Says the Pnei Shua, you should choose famine. Why? Because famine is in God's hands. War is in humans' hands. So in God's hands, harm is less likely. So we have to understand, how does that work? It was either decreed or it wasn't decreed. So again, with this, we're going to get a little bit, you guys have to follow me a little bit, but Bezal Hashem will try to make it extremely, extremely clear. So the Orachai Makadosh goes and expounds about, upon this topic in the Mechirat Yosef, the sale of Yosef. When the brothers heard about Yosef's dream, Yosef said they had a dream that all his brothers and his family, everybody's going to bow down to him. They thought that he was an imposter. He was a faker. His dreams were a fabrication. It was nonsense. They were not valid prophecies. So the way that they were going to go and prove that was going to go and kill him. If they're able to go and kill Yosef, that means that his dreams were false. But then Ruven steps forward and says, whoa, 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 guys. That thinking is very flawed. Why? Because it's possible that somebody who doesn't have a decree should get that, that should have been killed could get killed. Cause you have something called free will. And free will can change something that maybe wasn't originated, originally intended to. However, so what did Uvin said, 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 told him to do? He says, you want to really test him? Let's throw him into a pit. Let's throw him into a pit where, where there what? Where there's scorpions, there, there's snakes, there are things that could kill him. So, there is going to be different. Now the question is, why is it going to be different? If the human is going to kill him or the animal is going to kill him, you're throwing him in a pit where it's dangerous, uh, you know, uh, animals, or for sure something's going to happen. They're not going to sit over there and cuddle with him and say, hey, what's going on? How you doing? So 
explains the Ochaim Hakadosh that human beings have free will, animals do not have free will. What does that What, what does that mean? That when Ruven went and he took Yosef out of uh, you know out of the hands of the brothers and he put him in the pit, the pasuk says in Bereshit in Genesis chapter thirty-seven, verse twenty-two, it says, "Hey, He saved Ruven saved him from their hands. What does that mean? That he went. That human beings have the power to do something that animals do not have the power to do because animals do not have free will. So whatever was decreed was decreed. On the other hand, when you're speaking about human beings, they have the power of free will. They have the power to do something that maybe wasn't intended to do. Meaning that free will has a very, very real consequence in this world. Has a very real consequence in this world. So now we have to understand something. How does that work? Either it was the creator, or either it doesn't decree. I hope I didn't lose you so far. So if I, if I did, you'll catch on with it as, as, as we go uh, forward. When we spoke about the evil eye, so you have over here the Ainara. We saw that if it was decreed that nothing bad will happen, then nothing bad will happen. If it was not decreed that bad will happen, then again, it won't happen. But what happened if it's just left open? It's left open, meaning that God says, let's see. Let's see on how this person lives out their lives. Let's see their merits. Let's see their school. Let's see their sins. Let's see everything. And then it depends if you'll be saved or you'll be doomed. That all depends. So what do we see over here? So we see over here something very fundamental. And we have to, you know, understand this, this, uh, uh, th- these three things that we mentioned earlier. Number one, all events occur in the world with divine permission. As we go through with this, you'll understand this clearer and clearer. Number two, nothing happens against divine decree. And number three, not all events occur because God decreed them in the first instance. So, how does this work? That when somebody does something bad to you, you cannot go and blame the person that did something bad to you, because at the end it depends on you. And how did this work by Yosef? In Yosef's story, the Ruven said, "Listen, against human beings, if let's say Yosef was left open, the book was left open, so it all depends. If it was against human beings, so Yosef will need sig- significantly more amount of merit to be saved because there's free will that comes in. But if it was against animals, animals don't have free will, and that goes depending on how it was it was decreed. Meaning that you'll still need merits, but less of merits. So Oven was telling his brothers, and he was telling them, he was saying, listen, you want to see if it's true or not his dream. So if you go and you kill him, then it could be that it really it was true dreams. It was it was a prophecy that he was really, you know, we were meant to bow down to him. But he didn't have enough merit to be saved from the free will of human being. On the flip side, if we put him in a pit with animals, so then it doesn't, then he has, then there's less merit because there's less free will, there's no free will, so there's less merit. If there's less merit, then we can see if it was really meant to live or it was really meant to, uh, meant to die. And therefore, when somebody goes and harms somebody else, the victim cannot blame the perpetrator for the damage. Why? Because he has to take into account his relationship with God. Now, it's inappropriate to go and blame the victim, blame the perpetrator. Maybe it's the victim's fault. Maybe it was because this person wasn't on a level that they should have. And had this person been on a high enough level, then that person would have had, he had had divine merit. And with this merit, he would have achieved this divine protection. And this is what Reb Chaim Kanievsky goes and says. And Reb Chaim Kanievsky goes and says, a person cannot be killed without heavenly decree. But against human free will, one needs more merit to be saved. Meaning, that there are occasions where a person, where, where, de- where death is decreed upon a person. But he has merit to save him. But if 
human free will comes into the picture, he will need even more merit. And this it says, explains in itself why Reuven was so confident that he would be safe amongst the snakes and scorpions, the Yosef. Why? Because he was confident that Yosef had enough merit for that, but he wasn't sure about the merit level of for you know for the free will. And this is the Ochot HaTzadikim, and Shah HaSimcha goes also and says that, and it says, and I want to quote for you, remember that no benefit or damage ever occurs from people without the Creator's permission. Now this does not mean that we cannot affect each other, but it, what does it mean? It means that we cannot affect each other without God's permission. And let's try to understand this in a little bit of a different angle. The chinuch, in mitzvah, 241 and 242 says that any harm that comes one's way, it's based on one's own spiritual account. No harm would have ever occurred if that person has not been deserving of it. And therefore, says the chinuch, revenge is inappropriate. Why? Because it's not about the other person. It's all about one's own spiritual account and how you're holding with you and God. And this is what Rabbi Hanina goes, there's a story in Sanhedrin, page 67b. Rabbi Hanina goes, and there was a woman, a sorcerer, a, a witch, that went and wanted to cause harm to Rabbi Hanina. So Rabbi Hanina says, uh, bring it on. I, well, I'm paraphrasing, right? He says, yeah, what you got? You know, <laughs> yeah, let's go. You want to bring the witchcraft? Let's do it. And uh, he goes and he says, and there's nothing else other than him. If she did succeed, and she did cause him harm, then it's only possible that this would have happened only if it was decreed already from God. And if it was decreed from God, it would have happened anyway. But then the Gemara goes and asks the question, but how can he be so sure? Why is he putting himself in the power of, of you know, the level of danger? And the Gemara answers because Rav Hanina had great merit. He had great merit, and he, he would be certainly on the level that would be protected. Now again, don't put yourself in that situation. But again, we start understanding this concept that we're trying to repeat again and again. We have over here again, remember those three things. All events occur in the world with divine permission. But not all events occur because God decreed them in the first instance. Meaning that there are times where it wasn't supposed to happen, but there's free will. And that free will could do something that wasn't originally decreed. However, that no matter what happens, whether it was originally decreed, whether it wasn't originally decreed, nothing happens against divine decree. And if something happens then it's not, it doesn't depend on the other person. It depends on us. It depends on where we're holding in our life and what we are doing. And this is the concept of, you know, like the, the, the God has messengers. Now, even though there, people have free will and people have the ability to do damage, people have the ability to do good, God is still supervising the entire world, managing the entire world. There is a divine accountability that goes on over here. That the Pasuk in, in Shemot, in uh, chapter 21, verse 12 and verse 13, speaks about somebody that goes and kills another human being, the, the punishment will be death. And Rashi goes there and says, what happens if you have two people? One person previously killed a certain person accidentally, but there was no witnesses. And there was another person, that's person number one, person number two, he killed somebody on purpose, he murdered somebody, but also lacked witnesses. So what happens? So God goes and God oversees everything. And what does he do? God goes and arranges that these two people should meet. And what happens is that the person that killed accidentally will be on a ladder. And the person that killed on purpose will be under the ladder. And God will make it, as an example, the ladder fall down and on the person that murdered somebody on purpose. And that person has a death, you know, uh, uh, you know, penalty. He's obviously died. What happens to the person now that killed again accidentally? This time there's witnesses. And now that there's witnesses, that person will, you know, result in the issue that uh, whatever it is, the, the punishment and the retribution that they need to go and, and follow through. Meaning that there is free will. There is ability to do things in this world, but there's somebody that's overseeing everything and God is manipulating all the, all the, the, you know, all the strings. Now, if that person got 
killed because of that, then it goes back to what we spoke about before. And that was, it depends. Would that person, you know, be, be, uh, um, decreed that he should live? Then he wouldn't have been able to die. If he was decreed that he should die, then it, then obviously he died. But if it was open, that it depends on that person's merit. So now we have to understand something that if that person, let's say, was supposed to die anyways, so why should that person get punished? Meaning that, let's explain it in this scenario. Let's say uh, person A was decreed that they should lose $100. Person B comes and steals from person A. So person B could say, what did I do wrong? It was decreed that person A should lose money. I, you know, what did I do? I just fulfilled God's decree. And the answer is, is that you are a messenger. You didn't have to be the one that steals it. Meaning we're accountable, even though, so the reason why this is so important is that we have free will. We have divine providence. We have a And then we have the ability to decide where we want to go. Meaning that every single one of us are held accountable for our actions. So now, if person B went and stole, that person did not have to go and steal it. Meaning that the Gemara Makot goes and explains like this. The way that a person wants to go, that's the way that God will lead them. Now, you know, I don't even know if I should say this, uh, Example, but I will because I already said that and I don't like, you know, saying something and not uh, uh, following through with it. Well, sometimes I do. Most times I don't. And, you know, somebody goes, uh, this is a story that actually happened, that um, there was a person that went and was married and uh, they ended up being uh, unfaithful in their marriage. Now, when the rabbi, you know, heard about this and was speaking about to this person, they said, why are you doing this? And he says, it's not my fault. God wanted this to happen. How do I know that God wanted it to happen? He made this woman live two doors down from me. Otherwise, why would, you know, this wouldn't have happened. So people go and they say, oh, no, no, you know, like, oh, it must be that God, God made the shidduch, he made the shidduch. And this person saying, this is really my soulmate. I married the wrong person. And this is really meant for me. And he goes and he's saying, this is what God wanted. Everything is divine providence. And the answer is, no, 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 no. It doesn't work that. That person first wanted to do that sin. It has nothing to do with your soulmate or not soulmate. You wanted to do a sin. You wanted to do a sin. God will open up opportunities for you to do a sin. You want to do mitzvot. God will open opportunities for, do, for you to do mitzvot. You you still have the free will to decide are you going to do it or not, but God will direct you through divine providence on where you want to go in yourself. So if you want to do good, you will end up doing good. If you want to do bad, God will open up. So that's what we can say to the person that stole money. If that person went and stole money, can't say, oh, this is what uh, you know God wanted it to happen, so I'm not held liable. No, no, no. You were the messenger. You had no reason to be a messenger of God for this for this particular issue. God could have chose somebody else. But the fact that you wanted it, you wanted it already. So that's why God connected this, uh, you know, you two together. So really, we see over here that we can't blame anybody else. It's not in their hands. At the end of the day, if they stole money, it was a messenger. And if again, it wasn't decreed that they should steal money, it was all dependent on your merits. So we see over here that yes. There is free will. And yes, one can damage, but you can, that cannot be done without divine decree and permission. It means that if God gave permission for this to happen, this was supposed to happen. This should have happened. And this goes, and sometimes people try to do something bad and it, and it doesn't work. People, and you know, like they, they say, you know, the, the, the saying goes that if we would only know how many, you know, especially in Israel, how many terrorist attacks were, you know, Avoided because of divine providence, we would not, there would be nobody, there would be nobody that would not be religious. To see how much times that they blew up in their face or, you know, this didn't happen. There's so many different scenarios that comes on that God is, is overseeing everything. And if God forbid a terrorist attack happened, that means that God allowed it to happen.
Now, this also goes, you know, in, in Shiduchim. There was once, and this is, uh, Rabbi, uh, David Asher goes and brings this down, that there was once a Shatchan from Israel that uh, was looking for a, uh, you know, a, a, a girl for a certain, like, high-level yeshiva bahu. Like, uh, like, he was a genius, great character, good, like an overall, like everything. Everything was like a top-of-the-line, you know, boy. Everything was amazing for him. So, he was thinking, who could he set up with such a good guy, such a good boy? And he thought of a really, really, you know, a wonderful girl. And he said, you know what? Let's set them up. He calls up the boy's family, tells them about them. He says, okay, listen, we'll look into it. Then he calls up the girl's family and he says, uh, he gives all the information about the boy. And he says, it sounds really good. Let's uh, look into it. They go and they start looking into it. Meanwhile, all of a sudden, after he makes these phone calls, he starts having these second thoughts. You know, those type of thoughts where you purchase a product and then you're like, why did I just buy this? Do I want to return it? You're like, I'm not sure. Did I do the right thing over here? And he starts thinking, he says, you know what? I set these two up, but he remembered that he has a very wealthy relative in America that has an only daughter and she's of marriageable age. And if he would be able to set them up with this great, great boy, he knows that this wealthy relative will pay him very handsomely for for this shiduch. So he was thinking, should I do it? Should I not do it? Push comes to shove. The evil inclination came to the best of him. And uh, he called his relative. He called his boy, this, this, uh, his relative, and he says, listen, I have this boy for you, for your daughter. She, he is unbelievable. And the relative was like, wow, really? You know, he was listening to all the details. And it sounds really good. So he says, okay, fine. You know, they did a little bit of research very quickly. He says, you know what? Uh, we're interested. So he says, fine. So he goes, and um, that later that, t- that night, the Shatchan receives a call from the girl's father. The, the, the original Shiduch girl's father. And he says, by the way, I just, you know, we did some research and, uh, we looked into this boy and, uh, we want to proceed. It sounds like a good thing. So this Shatran just made another, you know, potential match with his wealthy relative. So he goes over to the girl, to the bride's, uh, you know, to the girl's father, to the father and says, listen, you know, I don't think they're interested anymore. And he's like, what do you mean they're not interested? You called me a few days ago with the option. I thought they were interested. And he's like, yeah, things changed. You know, I don't know if it's such a good match anymore. It doesn't sound like it's going to it's gonna work out. So the, you know, the father of the girl said, you know, okay, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, we were very interested, but what can you do? Not interested, not interested. And he hung up. Meanwhile, the father of the uh, of the boy calls up and he says, you know, we also did research on the girl, the original girl, and he says it sounded really good. It sounded very nice. Uh, we want to go and uh, set it up. And he says, you know, and he starts flipping it the other way. He says, I don't think they're so interested. Uh, you know, they're not really so, you know, willing to go. And, you know, it doesn't seem like it's going to work out. And he says, what do you mean? You called me a few days ago. And you told me that it's going to work out. He says, yeah, I don't know what happened, but they're not interested anymore. And he goes over to the father of the girl and says, but you know what? I happen to have a boy, uh, um, I'm sorry, he goes over to the father of the boy and he says, I happen to know a girl from America that she's willing to fly over here and she's, live, she's willing to live in Israel. She's amazing, comes from money, will support, will do everything, amazing, amazing girl. And the father of the girl says, listen, we have to think about it. We said already yes to this uh, boy. We were already, you know, we we're very motivated with, uh, you know, with, with what we heard over here. Let, give us a few days to think about it. So he says, fine, think about it. Trust me, it's a good idea. A few days go by. Meanwhile, you look at the story he's seeing over here. What is this Shatran doing? He's like breaking people apart that they're willing to go, you know, together, trying to do something for his own pocket. And uh, he goes, and the, the few days go by, and the father of the girl attends a wedding in Yerushalayim. 
and he sees somebody there that you know it's not familiar. So he goes over to somebody next to him. He says, "Who's that person?" He says, "Well, that person. His name is Mister Kaufman." Uh, he says, "He's like, wait a minute, Kaufman from which area?" And he says, "From uh, you know, from Yerushalayim, a certain area." And he and he realizes uh, the girl's father goes and realizes that's the boy's father. That's the boy of the original boy that they wanted to go out with. So he goes over to him only in Israel. Right? This works. He goes over to him and says, "Excuse me." He says, uh, "You know, I wanted to know why did you say no to my daughter." And he says, who are you? <laughs> you know, what's going on? Who are you? What's going on? Who, who, what are you talking about? And he says, you know, I am so-and-so. Our, my daughter was set up with your son, and uh, I heard that you, uh, you weren't interested. And he's like, uh, what do you mean I wasn't interested? They told me that you weren't interested. He says, no, we were very interested. And the other one says, yeah, we were also very interested. He says, what happened? He says, I don't know. It must have been a miscommunication. So he says, you want to set it up? And he's like, yeah, let's set it up. And what happened? They ended up setting up, and they ended up getting married, meaning that even though this person really wanted to go and, you know, break this up. Not that he, he was a bad person. He just, you know, the evil inclination got to the best of him. And he wanted to go and make in a few extra dollars. So because of that, he broke it up. But what happened? God says, no, 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 no. He says, they're going to get married because they're supposed to get married. So what's going to happen? They're going to meet in a wedding. And for some reason, for some reason, that doesn't make any sense, they're going to go and just walk up to the other person and say, hey, why you don't want to go and marry my daughter? Why do you want to go and marry my son? Originally, you'll be, you'll be insulted. You'll be like, I don't want to talk about it. But God put it in each of their minds to go and, and, and work it out. Meaning that even though somebody has the ability to go and damage you, if it wasn't decreed, it was never going to happen. It won't happen. So many people, what happens is, are very upset at other people. Let's say somebody stole a lot of money from, from them. Very upset. They damaged them. They insulted them. They hurt them emotionally, physically, intellectually, any other way, spiritually even. They're, they're upset. They're upset about that person. But this was a decree. They were just the messenger over here. When bad things happen in the Torah, what does the Torah tell us? The Torah tells us, it doesn't tell us to go find the person and, and seek revenge against him. No, it says, If somebody goes and sees that bad things happen to him, what does it say? He has to go and look at his deeds. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it all depends on you. God is overseeing everything. Even when there's free will, there has to have the ability that God gives you that, that check to say, you know what? This person can hurt you or this person can benefit you. It all depends on free will. But, but the bottom line, the bottom line, is it's all on you. It's all on you, on your level, on how you are in a spiritual standing. And this we can begin to understand. A very famous question, we spoke about this before, that, you know, people often ask, like, if God could do anything, and God is all-powerful, and God is all-knowing, then why does, why is there suffering? Let us just, let us God, let God remove the suffering, and whatever benefit the suffering would be, let it be without the suffering, because God could do anything. So, when we think about it, it's a very good question. Let God make everybody have amazing life. Let God have everybody have a great everything. Everything from panasa to children to, to, to everything. So we, when we, under, we look at the purpose of being in this world, uh, we look at that Adam Rishon. Adam was created and it didn't rain until he prayed. Why? Why did it have to do with his prayer? Because there was a connection that's needed between us and God. One of the reasons that we're in this world is we're, we are here to connect with God. And this is where the Ramban in the end of Pasha book goes and says the purpose of the mitzvot is to acknowledge and believe in God. You have to know that there is a God. That's one of the purposes of us doing mitzvot. But furthermore, it's also to thank God. And in fact, this is the purpose of creation, to go and see that there is a God and to thank God. So what happens over here? So if somebody has everything coming on a silver platter, they're not going to come to God. They're not. Some people, yes. Some people, not. And that purpose of creation go and gets nullified if you don't reach to that to that level. So sometimes what God does is in order for God to go and reach to the potential that you need to reach to, He has to put all these obstacles in, in the way. And this is why, you know, 
the question is, can God make everybody a millionaire or a billionaire or a trillionaire, or whatever it is? Of course. And make it good, make it for the best, of course. But let's say, what's the difference? That's one difference. One difference. Let's say you do a mitzvah. You do a certain mitzvah. So if you are worth $10 billion, you're doing mitzvah with a certain mindset. If you're worth whatever you're worth right now, you're doing it with a different mindset. And let's say it's slightly smaller, slightly different. So if you go and you do a mitzvah on a slightly higher level, because you don't have that security, let's say, of all that money in the bank or whatever it is, it could be health, it could be children, whatever it is. I'm just using money as an example. It could really be anything. So if you don't have that, so then when you do a mitzvah, it's more difficult for you. So it's more difficult. That little iota of a difference can make a thousands of difference in, you know, of levels in the next world. Meaning, but let's try to explain it like this. Now, let's say somebody goes and gives charity. Now, you know what? I don't want to use an example. Any, any mitzvah. Doesn't matter what the mitzvah is. Any mitzvah. It doesn't mitzvah. So let's use healthy and not healthy. If the person is not healthy and he does a mitzvah, that mitzvah is harder. So because of that, that mitzvah is now worth level 10,000. But let's say the person is very healthy. That same act is worth level 10. Now, in this world, you did the same mitzvah. But in the next world, it's going to all depend. Oh, over here, you did one thing, the same item. But over here, it's going to be a level 10. Over here, it's going to be a level 1,000. What's going to be worth more? What's going to be more beneficial? Obviously, it's going to be level 1,000 or 10,000. It's going to be much better. So if you are unhealthy, that in fact helped you achieve greater reward in the next world, which we know is the real world. But if you are healthy and you had everything going for you and it didn't, you were level 10, then it didn't make the difference. However, we see over here that there is a nuance over here. And the nuance is that you're able to go and bring yourself up to a level where even when you're healthy, wealthy, successful, whatever it is, when you do that mitzvah, you're a level of 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000. And you have the ability to not do anything. So meaning that when people go and say, you know what, God, you could do anything. Why don't you make this easy? Why don't you make me healthy? Why don't you make me married? Why don't you make me have children? Why don't you make me have money? Why don't you make me... It doesn't stop. But the answer is it does, it's not only dependent on God. Of course, everything is dependent on God. But at the end of the day, it's you. If you bring yourself to a level that you would achieve the same level of reward in both scenarios, then of course God will make you wealthy. Of course, God only wants the best for you. So many times in life we go and we blame God. Oh, you know what? If you would have done that, meaning that you could have achieved everything that you want in life and more if you would have had done what you needed to in life. So this is a very, very imperative and I hope that this is clear. And if it's not, please ask me afterwards because we have to go and, and make sure that this is clear. So, Meaning, so the purpose of creation over here, we could we could sort of bring this back, is to fix yourself, to fix your character trait, to believe in God, and to thank God. If you go and bring yourself to a level that you believe in God, you thank God, you fix your character traits, you fix yourself, then, of course, what is what, what is the Torah said? That if you go and you follow my commandments, if you, if you follow my commandments and you listen to what you're supposed to do, then everything will be good for you. Everything will be good for you. Yes, there's other calculations and previous lives and Gilgulim and Tikkunim and all those things. We're going at the basic. We can't go and answer for every scenario because, uh, you know, we'll, we will never know because, first of all, we're not God's accountant, so we don't know all the errors. But let's go through the basic. The basic is that as follows. You fix yourself, you fix what you need to do, then you'll achieve what you'll need to achieve to. And sometimes you should know that the person's coming into this world not to go and achieve a certain thing. There are many people that come into this world, unfortunately, not to get married. That's their tafkid. That's their tikkun. Can they go and get married? Yes, if they fix themselves to a certain level. There are many people that they come into this world that they're not meant to have children. And what do you need to do after you fix yourself? And after you do everything that you needed to do, then comes a level of acceptance. This is from God. 
I did what I need to do. And this is when it comes from God, then you know there's a bigger picture, there's a divine, uh, you know, overseeing, and there's a reason for it. And when will you find out? Ultimately, you'll find out after 120. And this is what we start off with the Peleot. The Peleot goes and says that nobody is able to harm his friend. Nobody is able to benefit their friend without the decree of God. But says the Stipe and it says that even things that were decreed, you could go and change it. You, you yourself are able to change it. How? Tshuva, mitzvot, you know, tefillah, which means is, I'm sorry, let's do it in English. You have prayer, you have merits, you have repentance. This can alter the decree, which means is, ultimately, in, in life, everything, it all depends on you. You have the ability to change, you have the ability to fall, you have the ability to grow. So at the end of the day, you got to stop blaming other people. you got to look at yourself and what you can change. And if you can change something, then do it. If you can fix something, then do it. Because ultimately, it's your life. And this depends on you and your merits. Now the flip side, there are people that blame themselves too much. That's also not good. They blame themselves too much and they can't move on in life. They have some people that they're stuck on, on the mistakes that they made in, the, in their life. And that could lead to very, very unhealthy things. A very, very unhealthy understanding and could cause people to suffer for, 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 for the entire life. For the entire life they could go and suffer. And the problem with that is, is that th- that's not what God wants. The way that we need to do, and this is how we connect last class and this class. Last class we go, we've said that you're able to go and damage yourself through your own negligence. So what you need to do, you have to do your hishtadut. Once you do what you need to do, then it's out of your hand. You cannot do anything anymore. Once it's out of your hand, then it's all from God. And if it's all from God, then you have to go and sometimes you have to accept it. Sometimes we have to accept what it is. It doesn't mean that we have to stop trying. But if it doesn't happen, we can't stop, we can't start blaming other people, blaming God, blaming everybody else. At the end of the day, it's you. And at the end, end of the day, it's all for the greater good. It could be a tikkun. It could be to prevent something worse. You know, sometimes people go and they lose money. That could be to prevent a, a loss of life. Some people go and, uh, you know, they, they live through suffering. They don't have any children. They don't, they're not married. They don't have panasa. They don't have anything. That's some sort of tikkun that's at a greater, at a, at a greater level to good. And they feel, you know what? If I did, if I did more good, then I would be able to go and reach a level that I could remove it. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. We're not God's accountant. We don't know the whole picture. And it's very, very, very important. And I'm going to pray that again. We are not God's accountants. We don't know all the details. But we can focus on one thing. And that is the only thing we should be focusing on. And that is, how can I improve myself? If this bad thing happened to me, whether it was through my negligence, whether it was through someone's free will, what can I do? What am I able to go and fix myself and and help myself go to, to a level of of maybe that it shouldn't happen again. So with that, let's do a quick, uh, you know, a quick recap. That we said when problems come into your life, there are three scenarios. It can either come from God, and if it comes from God, then we know very simple. Everything that God does is for the best. By the way, this one is an umbrella on everything. Everything is from God. Then you have category number two, which is also under that category, which is you, you are negligent. You hurt yourself. So this is, depends on your shtadlut. If you did, if you, let's say you hurt yourself, you damage yourself, so you got to go and fix it. Once you did everything that you could, then it's in God's hands. There's a special level of acceptance that a person has to have. This is what God wants and this is what I have to move on in life. It's also when you get to a level of like acceptance of something, there, you, you remove so much, you're able, it's, it's a change in life. You know, like, okay, fine. God wanted this to happen, I accept it. Oh, you're, it's like a, a, this weight just relieved off from, from you. It, it just like opens up your, your whole world to see things in a different light.
So you have that when you're, neglig- when you're negligent. And what happens if someone uses their free will? If someone uses their free will to go and damage you, they have the ability to do that. But we have to remember the three very important concepts. The number one, that all events occur in the world with divine permission. Nothing happens against divine permission, meaning that if God decreed that it shouldn't happen, it's not going to happen, no matter free will or not free will. But however, there is that nuance that not all events occur because God decreed them in the first place, meaning that there is free will, and that free will could go and either hurt or benefit you. But ultimately, what does it depend on? It only depends on you and your merits. Sometimes you have more merits and sometimes you have not. But at the end of the day, everything is overseen by God. And with that being said, we can understand what it is hatred. We started off with the concept that, you know, hatred, it goes so bad. When someone's hatred, you feel, you know, you hate them. Oh, he did this to me with his free will. Stop, stop, stop it. Stop, just stop hating other people. Stop being upset with life. Stop it. Just stop for a second. Take a deep breath and realize that everything is from God. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything is from God. Yes, somebody had the ability to hurt you, but at the end of the day, if it hurt you, it was because you are lacking merits. And that, at the end of the day, is going to be a, a tikkun. We're saying at the end of the day a lot because it keeps on pushing, depending on which level you're able to get with. But with that, we'll open up to any questions. I know it's a difficult concept. It's not something that's so... And I hope you know that, that this was clear enough that you guys can understand it, at least at a basic level, because that's very important. At a basic level, everything is from God. And once everything is from God... You're able to go and live life a little bit of a calmer thing. And that's why you're not going to go and have hatred, be a grudge, or do it to, any, to anybody else. Because it's not the other person. It's all from God. And even that little area, the little gray area, where it could be that free will, that really, at the bottom line, is, is, your, is your level of merit that you had. And even if you had no merit, and even if it was the free will, and even, 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 even all these things, at the end, 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 end of the day, you have to have a level of acceptance that this is what God wants, and let's move on with life. Let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can grow, and let's see what else is in store for us. And with that, we'll open up to uh, questions. Rabbi Zitron, uh, yeah. if, um, if you want more merits, based on your share tonight, we should all want more merits. Uh, what, what should a person do at our level? What should we be doing? So that's a very good question. So what, the question is, what should we do to increase your merit? So um, let's, let's speak about it first in a specific scenario, and let's speak about it in a broad scenario. So let's say um, something bad happened to somebody, and they want to go, and they, they could start thinking, like, you know what, this bad thing happened to me? Uh, because I didn't have enough merits. I didn't have, or maybe it's a tikkun in a certain area. So what you could start off with doing is, is sort of gaining more merits in that area. So for example, let's say, um, let's say in the marriage world, let's say somebody, um, let's say somebody went and caused problems in somebody else's marriage. And they, they want to do a tikkun in that. So how are they going to do it? They're going to go and obviously try to help fix what they cause the damage. But they could also help other people. They could go and try to bring shiduchim together. They could go and uh, maybe uh, you know help couples that are struggling. And if they can't help them, they could go maybe start funding for a little bit of marriage therapy for for uh, for people that are suffering, you know, in that area. Um, so so you could gain merit in the area where you think that you're lacking. So let's say it's panasa or something like that. So you try to figure out how am I going to gain merit in. In, uh, in money. And we know that's tzaka. We know that the, 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 you know, the Torah tells us there's one thing that you could test God with, and that's giving charity. You want to be wealthy, you give tzaka, you give masa, you give 10%, you give 10%, oh, that you'll be promised, uh, you know, uh, wealth. So, the one way to gain merit is to figure out what area 
is it that you're being bothered by or troubled by or have the problems by and focus on that. The other thing that you could get merit is the broad aspect of it. The more mitzvot that you do, the more Torah that you do, the more, uh, you know, spreading Torah. For example, um, we know Tamu Torah can get kulam. The learning Torah is the highest level of merit that you can get. So you go and you help other people learn Torah, whether it is help somebody pay for their tuition, set up for a tutor, go and, you know, send someone to classes, bring somebody to classes, learning Torah, you know, like enhancing that. That also, you know, helps it. So you could branch off either specific or in uh, in regards to anything overall. Okay, let's see the next question over here. We have over here, um, when a person hurts another person spiritually and causes them to sin, how does free will play out over there for the one who caused the other, uh, for the other to sin? So a person is going to get punished. So if let's say somebody is mahti atarabim, that's what it's referring to. If somebody go and causes other people to, to sin, that in itself, is a very high level of sin. The Rambam speaks very, very high, you know, like, severely about people that causes other people to sin. So, that person has to do some serious, serious tshuva. But at the other point in time, the person that he caused the sin also has a free will. Didn't have to go and do the sin with them. Yes, so so in a sense, they're sort of both held uh, liable. And the question continues over here, and did God decree both parts of it? So, when regards to sinning, God doesn't decree that one person should sin. God doesn't want to sin. This is free will. That a person has the ability, like it says, Everything is in the hands of heaven except for fear of heaven. Meaning that a person, when you're dealing with free will, when you're dealing with divine providence in regards to sin, nobody should ever say, God wanted me to sin. No, no, no. God does not want you to sin. If you sin, God allowed it, but God didn't want it. So a person has to go and 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 do chivab. In this aspect, both sides would need to do chivab. The person that went and got the other person to sin, and the person that sinned himself, obviously. Now, the question also continues: the specific person who caused it, and the specific person who sinned. Yes, both of them. I've heard that causing someone to sin is also a huge sin, which is one hundred percent. The Rambam speaks about this in Hilchot Chivab. It's called under the category Machtiyat Arabim. Is there a way that a person can work on himself strongly and fix? themselves completely, that they fulfill their tafkid in this world, which will cause an early death since he's not needed more in this world. Okay, so that's a very good question. Can somebody, and I had this, it's funny, somebody once told this to me also, one of my students, uh, that the question was, um, can somebody go and finish his his tafkid in this world, his purpose in this world, and that's why he's going to leave this world early. And somebody, one of my students once came over to me and said, you know what, I don't want to be such a good Jew, because if I'm such a good Jew, and I'm going to finish my life early, then God is going to take me early. I want to stick around here for a little bit. So I'm going to purposely do something not 100%, so God will keep me around longer. Uh, that's definitely a faulty view of looking at life, at, you know, and the spiritual world. So what we need to do is to fulfill our purpose. There are many times that people fulfill the tafkid, and they're kept in this world because of of the effect that they have on other people. That the benefit that they'll bring other people. So, uh, not necessarily that if a person goes and finishes the tafkid, that they go and remove themselves. Sometimes they're needed. Sometimes they're needed to help for other people. Um, so, definitely don't think that life like that, that I don't want to do everything good because then I'm going to finish my tafkid. You have to go and you have to do whatever it is they need to do to the maximum, fastest possible ability that you have it. Okay, next question. How can one deal with living with close family members who are depressed or upset with life. This affects their overall happiness, which is very, very true. And the Gemara says, you know, that, um, you know, uh, a smile does more than a cup of milk, meaning that when somebody goes and smiles to other person, it affects the people around them. 
And when somebody's upset, it affects the people around them. And that's why people don't understand when they're depressed, when they're anxious, when they're upset. They think, okay, it's my life. Let me be whatever I want. This is no. No one has their own life. We're all interconnected, whether we like it or not, whether you're a billionaire or whether you're working for the billionaire. Everybody needs other people. We're all connected. We all have these interpersonal relationships. Now, what happens is that if you're going and you're depressed and you're sad and you're down, that doesn't affect you. That affects other people. Now, the question is, who? what gives you the right to go and bring other people down? Well, because you're not happy the way that life turned out to the way that you wanted. Yes, everybody according to their own and we're not judging anybody, but that affects other people. And that affects it. That has to take into consideration. You have to go and, and, and think about it for a second. When you're sad, when you're depressed, when you're down, that affects other people and you have the, you're going to have to answer for that. Why are you causing other people to be down? Now, how should one, the question is, how should one deal with this? It's a very, very delicate situation and it's not one answer all because sometimes you could, you know, you have to give somebody a boost and be like, you know what, you should be, you know, happy with life and you should go. And on the flip side, you can't go tell somebody who's depressed, you know, stop being upset, be happy. You know, like that's the last thing that they want to hear. So it has to be dealt with very delicately and it has to be uh, dealt in a way that you're going to be able to bring that person up. Many times a person needs therapy and that's what they need. So you guide them to therapy, you give them emotional support. Sometimes they need, you know, encouragement. Sometimes they need, uh, you know, the, 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 just like a positive word, you know, like every day, you know, like I've said this to, to, you know, couples, um, you know, sometimes one couple is upset and the other couple is, you know, not nice. You know, let's say, let's say the husband is upset that the wife is not nice. Then do good things to them, a very mean person. So one way of doing that is be nice to the other person. Be nice to the, to, to her. Then what happens is the more that you are nice, it affects other people. So when somebody is depressed, so the more happier you are around them to a certain extent, obviously, this is a case by case basis, but to a certain extent, the more that you're happy around them, it's going to affect them. And this is a powerful thing that you want your marriage to be better. Become a better spouse. Become a better spouse. That's going to affect the marriage. Again, it doesn't work across the board. Some people are unfortunately beyond the level of just being nice. But in general, if you're good to your spouse, initially, it might, you might not say anything. But over time, you're going to start seeing a, a return on that, on that investment. Okay. So it looks like that was the last question. We're going to give another like 20 seconds if anybody has any, um, any other questions. And if not, then we will uh, we'll close it for uh, the night. Any other questions? No? Okay. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.